It's time to stop going to meetings. We don't mean never go to another meeting, but instead simply choose to have the right conversation with the right people at the right time. It's time to stop the routine. It's time to stop having meetings for the sake of it. It's time to stop wasting time. I'm Helen Chapman. And I'm Amy Webb. The rest is over to you. Let's get going. Amy, years ago when I when dinosaurs ruled the earth, <laughs> um, I used to go to meetings and, and somebody in, in the meeting room would be taking minutes. Okay. And it was a, a specialist job. Okay. Often the people the people taking minutes would work right in shorthand, which Yes, I've seen, but I have no idea how it works. Just a whole new, uh, it was a whole whole (laughs) visual language that people who were, and probably still are, able to to write quickly, probably at the speed of people, other people speaking. Yes. Uh, Visual language was used and it was used and then the person would take their shorthand notes and and go and type them up and it would turn into a formal document. So meeting minutes have been are as, as, as old as the dinosaurs, are as old as me. <laughs> and obviously it goes without saying that to have, a, to have a, a record of what was discussed in a meeting is yes. a very important thing to do because it then reminds people what the heck we talked about. Yeah. Nowadays, um, I think there are still people who take meeting minutes in that way. Yes, uh, I know of people who... Right. So valuably so. Yes. And yet the meetings that we take part in together tend not to have meeting minutes taken in that way. We tend to to do it differently. Yes. And we're still working visually. So that person who was taking shorthand and working with the visual language and, and having that to themselves is now something that is shared in the group across the room whether it's in person or whether um it's on a, a virtual call yeah so what i'd love to kick around t- together today and just explore for our listeners is how accessible actually is visual note taking in meetings for the majority mm-hmm. is it something specialist that only really artistic and talented people can do or is this something that you know, we can all get our hands on. And why should we bother? What's the point? Yeah. Okay. So happy to kick this around with me. Yes. Well, my first thought is, on your note about being extremely artistic and talented, is that I am a visualizer working for TFP. And I would not consider myself extremely artistic or talented. We have some visualizers on our team who are amazing visual artists and their skills you know are so valued by our clients and by our team but I I fall a little bit further along the spectrum of I can I can draw things um I can doodle I can um you know do a picture not necessarily something that would ever be in an art gallery um but that hasn't stopped me from working in this role from working with our clients from producing visual records of meetings that are really beneficial to them that they use um, and reference after the meetings have taken place Um, 
So I am living, walking proof <laughs> that you don't have to be um, a stonking artist to visualise meetings. Exactly. Here, here. <laughs> we could probably stop the podcast right there. What you said. Yeah. And it's true. And it's absolutely liberating. Yes. Um, and also there's a spectrum. You know, when you think about... Um, Working visually yes. or communicating visually, I mentioned dinosaurs earlier. <laughs> Truly, back in the Stone Ages, mm. I mean, obviously, cave paintings, you know, the some first of the early form of communication, some of the first and yeah. earliest form of communication. And when you look at some of those sketches, you can work out it's a dinosaur, but was it a beautifully <laughs> crafted dinosaur maybe not but you could work out what it was and yeah. it was enough now and it and you know amazingly transcends the years it transcends the generations yes. as well so working visually is not new no the 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 art of shorthand you know that visual language um was a particular language a bit like learning ad foreign language that had to be learned, the squiggles and the lines yes. and the dots and all of that. So, so there is a particular shape and form to taking shorthand notes that is to be learned um, and, and, you know, at, a, at an intrapersonal level. Mm -hmm. But where we work, it's much freer than that. It's much looser than that. It's much more accessible, as you say. Yeah. And to take the idea of working visually and, you know, spread it around as many people as we possibly can. I, I know we've we've both got a passion to make that happen. Yes. But let's think for a second about the different the different types of visual representation in meetings. Yes. At its most artistic, if you like. Yeah. Uh, if you take if you imagine a scale. At one end of the scale, the most extreme scale is where, and you've mentioned people on our team. Yes. And many people around the world who have this skill to be, for example, in the back of a meeting room. Yeah. Listening, like eavesdropping into the, into the group's conversation and creating these amazing murals yes. of... Yeah representing the conversation that's been had yeah really stunning beautiful yeah really stunning and you know we know for ourselves the clients who've taken that as a piece of artwork mm -hmm. had it framed and these things are big they're they're meters long sometimes yes but have put them in their you know their entrance reception halls or in their meeting because it really is a thing of beauty and as well as being a fantastic representation of a conversation yes and the I, from my perception the the real value of those um beautiful pieces of art is um it is a reminder of the conversation it's also something to like to gather around does that make sense mm -hmm. like something to appreciate together to see look like look at this because without without the team's conversations without that meeting there would be no art so it's it's like seeing themselves on the page represented in this amazing beautiful um inspiring way 
Agreed. Um, and so to be able to gather around it, as mm. you say, and to look and on on in the moment or on the day itself, it is a reminder of ah oh, what what at, at eight o'clock this morning we were talking about that, yeah. but look how far we've come. Yeah. So let letting them remember the conversation. Very often it will call out decision points where we made a decision or where we might have had a bit of a tussle with each other or where something funny happened. And all of those things are captured like a a giant snapshot, a beautifully crafted giant snapshot, snapshot. And then they're also fantastic for people who weren't in that meeting of course. You know, let's imagine you were there, I wasn't. You can say, Helen, let me take you to this gorgeous mural and let me walk you through the yes. meeting that we had. So it's brilliant for onward communication. The, the other thing about these um, murals um, is that they, they, they become an artifact or a piece of collateral mm-hmm. that is part of the history of the organisation often. So in 10 years' time... It's, it becomes an archive piece, but a beautiful, yes. a bit like a painting on a cave wall yes. of a moment in our history. So they are they serve so many brilliant purposes. Yeah, and it must be um, amazing for teams to look back, you know, oh, five, ten years ago we were talking about this as an idea and now it's a reality and it's really flourishing and yeah. look how much we've done. Um, it's like looking back through old photo albums. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's incredible. Yeah. The downside, I think, from working in this way, and I mean, this, this is what we, we offer. This is part of our um, our offer. So yes. I'm a massive fan, but there are downsides to it as well. And it's not the case that this sort of um, working um, serves all purposes. Is because the artist or the graphic recorder is mm-hmm. doing the work off to the side or at the back of the room, they're not really in uh, uh, connected particularly with the group themselves. Yes. So what they're giving is an interpretation of what they're hearing, not necessarily capturing exactly what that person meant at the time. So it's a representation of the conversation. Yes. And that works sometimes. However, when a group needs to really get at some, you know, tricky or complex topic or conversation to have a representation of what an artist thought they were they were meaning mm. can can miss the mark a bit sometimes so where where a meeting needs to be much more in the detail yes that sort of um mural might not hit the spot yeah and and therefore, we do something different instead. Yes, and it's not—it's not, it's not a either this or nothing. There is, as you say, a spectrum, and there, there's visualization available across that spectrum. That's right. And so, if if at the the one end of the spectrum is full on beautiful graphics and mm-hmm. artwork, then sliding along the scale is the ability to work visually in real time with the group yeah capturing conversations for a particular purpose you know particular reason because there needs to be in-depth exploration yes about a topic or uh, there needs to be some particular idea generation happening 
Um, we need to move a group sometimes from knowing nothing about a subject yeah. into into understanding a subject, into together pulling that subject apart and looking at what works and what doesn't work or what are the opportunities, into thinking what plan do we want to now make and what outcome and for what purpose. And so yes. working with the group visually to support group process and group thinking and that's called graphic facilitation yeah so and we know that that's that's part of what we offer and it we do this in person as well as virtually yeah as well so our visualizers you being one of them (laughs) are students of and um, practitioners of group process yeah as well as having the magic in your fingers to be able to <laughs> capture things well. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts, Amy, about the ability of a group to work in this way without one of us there? Do you think it's possible for people to to do this well? I think it is absolutely possible. I think sometimes there is a real benefit in having um someone who's not in the in the team um fulfilling this role because it um allows everyone to fully participate and not worry about note taking or minute keeping or um you know so i think these skills are applicable to teams all over the world in all contexts um I, but I just think that there is real value in being able to know that your ideas are being recorded and represented mm-hmm. and you can just focus on the conversation yeah. um, that needs to take place. Yes. Um, and I, I agree with you. And I think that the it's like we take when we work with a group, we take care of the group so that they can just fall into the conversation yeah. and, and get the best out of it. <clears throat> and so for us to... Be in there capturing onto big charts and templates. Yes. And for the group to be able to follow along and, and call out, actually, that's not what I meant. This is what I meant or what I'd, I'd like the phrasing to be slightly different or for us to work with them in that way is a good thing. Yes. And then one of the things that I love is to be able to pass on the ability to capture while we're, while we're in conversation mm-hmm. to the group. Yeah. So, you know, we we both know that one of the things that we value most about our work is helping a group of people or a team to become independent from us. Yes, do ourselves out of a job. Do ourselves <laughs> out of a job and leave this the team or group equipped yeah. with the tools and the skills to be able to do to work well visually and have the conversation without us. Yes. Um, and so for that reason encouraging full participation so you know oftentimes at the beginning of a meeting we'll talk about how you know the rules of the meeting or how we're going to engage well to get the best out of each other yeah and we often talk about you know be present fully participate be be prepared to be here and nowhere else sort of thing while yeah. we're, while we're discussing and that full participation often ends up being you know, 
big post-it notes, A5, we like to use A5 be- mm-hmm. just because then you work with a marker pen and a marker pen on an A5 post-it note just in practical terms means that people write bigger. Yeah. Which means when the post-it note goes up onto the chart, more people in the room can read at a distance and, yeah. and so on. Uh, but to pass those skills into a group so that they can fully participate. And our experience is that when people are actively and very practically engaged in creating their own meeting minutes, really. Yes. The chances are the very act of them writing on a post-it and getting onto a, onto a wall is an act of engagement. Yes. It's an act of, I see my words on the wall I feel part of this conversation I feel invested I want to be part of the decision and of the outcome yeah so working in this way and working working visually so so let's imagine if we were going to list for our listeners Mm -hmm. the benefits of working visually and and if we were to, you know, to say, come on, you know, like you said at the beginning here, you don't have to be an artist to do this yeah, well. Absolutely. What what are the compelling reasons, do you think, to get groups to have the courage to work visually in this way? I think that you've just pointed out the main one, which is increased engagement, um, especially in longer meetings but really in any meeting people's uh concentration levels just for being talked at and even just for having a um a conversation without some kind of other sensory stimulus their concentration levels are quite low so just in terms of um extending uh participation and concentration just practically having something to look at and to add to means that the engagement that you'll get is so much more um I think making sure that everyone feels heard as you say which um relates to our previous conversations in the last episode about um you know the lone voice and there are sometimes people in meetings who might feel shy about vocalizing their ideas but will very happily write something down stick it on a post-it note either you know um online or in in person so having a variety of tools at your disposable at your disposal to make sure that everyone's voice gets into the room can only be a good thing um, and can only help you make sure that you're hearing the whole range of views um and making sure that nothing's missed it you know going back to that concentration level people only have so much capacity in their brain for remembering um, a conversation and they will because of their filters and their you know we've spoken about unstable entities if they're tired if their mind's wandering they will miss things they will miss what so-and-so said Um, so having a purposeful visual representation of the whole conversation means that if at the end of the day someone can go oh I was daydreaming earlier I missed that Mm. without that visual it would have been gone for that person so having that 
ability to make sure not only in the moment is everyone's voice heard, but actually for reflection, the whole conversation's there, you know, um, and, you know, visually showing what was agreed to, what are the next steps, so that it's very clear, this is what we spoke about in this meeting, this is where we're moving, and it's on paper. Yes. (laughs) There's a reason people like things on paper, because it feels solid. Yeah. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. I'm scribbling down all sorts of notes as I'm listening (laughs) to you. So that just inspires a whole lot of thinking for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that last one. It's solid and it's there. It makes me think as well that if you think about PowerPoint slides, Mm -hmm. they're visual. But unlike a, a a template that's on a wall, yes. one click and that slide's gone. And and yeah. you, you sit and watch people taking photographs of a a slide when it's up, which is fine. So they've got an actual photograph of something. But the photograph of a PowerPoint slide doesn't give you always the richness of the conversation that went with the essence of what was on that slide. Whereas working visually means that you can you can explore the central point yes and capture people's thinking around it in a way that stays so that's that's one point so an an example of this is on um in online meetings that i've been in recently we have had um teams they've been working in breakouts between the meetings they've come onto the zoom call they've shared a powerpoint slide that they've worked on together a powerpoint presentation and it's full of so much hard work and rich information so um and then there's gone on to be a conversation about it so the way that we've captured this visually is I've taken a screenshot of the powerpoint slide dropped it into the Miro board and then as people are talking I'm adding post-it notes they're adding post-it notes around this powerpoint slide which is the you know the focus point of this really rich conversation that's happening Yes. Around it. Um, the conversation would have taken place anyway. Yeah. But the the value in seeing it then and then moving on, you're moving on from that conversation. It puts so much more context and texture around rather than just a PowerPoint slide. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's a fantastic example of how how to use PowerPoints well mm-hmm. and how to capture, especially now virtual working at the minute, how to yes. add and capture the richness in something like Miro um, yeah. so, so that the conversation moves and, you know, you get the texture from all of that and then you can move on. Um, yeah. The other thing that you made me, that tri- you triggered for me is... You and I might step into a meeting room in in person or in a virtual world and begin capturing visually for the group just from a blank canvas, you know. So an artist will often say the hardest thing to do is to start when you've got this massive white, you've got to make a mark. Very intimidating. (laughs) Very intimidating, all of that white space. And you and I have got practice as a, as have our team at making a mark on the white space and getting the getting the conversation started in a visual sense. Yeah. If you're um, a, a, a team or a group 
working together and you don't have that skill, the way to get around it is to have a template, a pre-printed template that sort of is already laid out. The marks are already there. Um, and it's a way of guiding a conversation. And templates can be so different in nature. Some of them can be, you know, quite straightforward. So, for example, if you want to explore the good, the bad, the ugly of a particular situation, yeah, you could have a very large SWOT analysis, bo- yeah. you know, four boxes that are on on the wall. And the conversation then, the group can see that there are four areas to complete. The conversation can happen. The group can add post-its to each of the areas. So it's quite quite straightforward in that way. Yeah. Sometimes templates can take on a more metaphorical um, look. Yeah. So it might look like a journey towards a horizon, a journey towards a big goal, a journey towards a vision, Yes. Um, that sort of thing. So lots of different things that you can uh, get in template form. Yeah. Um, and that's something that, that we offer uh, and is accessible for our listeners. But, you know, it, it's also something that our listeners can even create for themselves ahead of yeah. time. So they're yeah. not just facing a white space. Yeah. Um, it is really helpful when using those templates, isn't it? For, um, I think sometimes for the the people participating in the meeting to kind of come in and see okay this is this is what we're working with especially um I'm a huge fan of the more metaphorical templates that we use because I think it helps people um step into another level of thinking you know we've joked about it before that we use analogies and metaphors a lot and there's a reason and visually as well, using <coughs> excuse me, using the um, the metaphors of a journey or a horizon, or um, it just helps people tap into their creativity a lot more. Because one of my pet peeves is hearing people say that they're not creative, yeah. um, which I think is just a load of rubbish. Um, we are all creative. You only have to spend time with a young child to realise that human beings are creative um, and we lose it because we're told that we're not being creative in the right way um, as we journey into adulthood. But the reality is everyone has that creativity and being able to use visuals as a way to help people kind of step out of their logical brain, although obviously the conversation still is rooted in practicalities a lot of the time but but seeing those kind of higher level thinking things sometimes just a, you know a, a metaphor represented visually is enough to help people tap into that yes and if that metaphor is there on a pre-created template mm. they're not having to dream up the metaphor but they can dive into aspects of the metaphor so yes. if it's a journey it's the pathway typically will be what's our plan to get there yeah. At the end of the pathways and what will be there when we reach there, you know, what's our our holy grail or yeah. our vision and so on. What's interesting is over time, people have evolved how to, or they've got smart at how to orientate thinking on those templates. So if you can imagine mm. a, a template being a long wall chart 
um, sort of landscape in in nature. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe a meter meter high and a, and three meters long. Uh, you know. Yeah. Don't quote me on the dimensions, but you sort of get the shape that I'm I'm explaining. Yeah. Typically, with with metaphor templates, for example, with a journey, um, the 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 way to the way to organize thinking. So let's imagine there's a there's a rush of thinking that comes from the group. Is where do you put stuff on the yeah. chart so it just <laughs> doesn't look like a jumbled mess of of post-it notes or or writing? Yeah. How do you make sense of it such that when you look back, you can remember or interpret the intention behind what was being shared? Yeah. And typically, the rule of thumb is that time moves on a template from left to right as you see it. So either the left-hand side is today and you go right and right and right towards the future. Yeah. Or the left-hand side is sometime in history, a year ago maybe. Mm -hmm. And as you go right and right, you come more up to the present time. So the template in its orientation, in a way, becomes a timeline. Yes. And if you think about it in that way, you can sequence your thinking in that way. Yeah. Similarly, if you think about the bottom part of the template being for thinking that is grounded, that is concrete, that is tangible. If you think about your feet on the ground, connection with the earth. Yeah. Something tangible, something that is making an impression. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of ideas tend to work well when they're put towards the bottom of the chart. Yeah. And then as you move higher up the chart, if you think about ha- moving up the human body, so for example, so if your feet are on the ground yeah. in a tangible way, as you move up towards the head, so you might start to be, you know, um, creating or dreaming or ideating or imagining yes and so in the same way you would use going up the towards the top of the the template in a way to capture more unformed thoughts that are not as concrete but that you don't want to lose yeah so in that way the orientation around even a blank piece of paper without a template on you can think about it in that way to be helpful and i think that's something that feels natural and obviously that's why um people people do it when you when it's explained to you I think it's one of those things you realize that you would you would do naturally anyway and then you see the logic behind it and you're like oh that's interesting and of course it's it's because we read left to right and and all of that and I'm I'd be fascinated to know how this work happens in other cultures where the you know they read right to left or bottom up yes Um, but yeah and then the the other the other sort of top tip I suppose is thinking about use of color Mm. and how it works best to use the darker colors for um you know for for the main ideas that are coming or the main thinking so use the, the brown the purple the black the dark green to capture thinking and then use the brighter colors i'm sure there's some 
technical artistic term <laughs> for these, but the brighter colours like the reds and the oranges to highlight, yes. to underline, to circle, to really make things yeah. pop out. Yeah. Um, I don't often appreciate the use of yellow marker pens, um, although they can be useful for highlighting. Very often they, they, it is still ha hard to see them. But yeah. Yeah. So just be careful. And the other thing as well is for people with colour blindness. Yes is think about how use of colour might be accessible to people. Um, and um, dyslexia is another yes. um, condition where colours can be a, play a massive role. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and just on that point then is handwriting. Mm. And very often, I know myself because I spend a lot of time typing into a keyboard, you know, if I ever have to write something... <laughs> You sort of think, oh, I can't write anymore. I've yes. lost the art of writing. Yeah. But the truth is our script handwriting is more difficult to read than if we write in block capitals. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then titles, you know, give some very clear titles. So make your titles a particular colour with a particular underline. Make them a bit bolder, make them a bit uh, clearer and more standout. And that'll, you know, and uh, some, sometimes titles are often best to be added after the work itself because sometimes yeah. you don't know what's coming so if you give yourself a bunch of titles on a chart yeah. it can be a bit um what's the word i want it can be a bit restricting yes restricting. so sometimes it's okay to add titles later um, so we're we're coming up on time helen but i would like to leave our listeners with um some really accessible basic visualizer tips um, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the standard kind of um, office or meeting room where people might just have like a standard sized whiteboard or a flip chart or, um, you know, if they're having online meetings, what can we leave our listeners with as a great starting point to try and introduce more visuals? Thank you. Yeah. So I think what we can do is into the show notes of this podcast, mm. we can put in some we can we can drop in the sorts of equipment and materials that we use. Yes. To help us, you know, so yeah. the pens that we like and you know why and the tape that we use and the paper yeah. and you know the 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 uh, online meeting spaces and yeah. so on. So we can yeah. put all of that into the show notes. I think um the handiest thing to leave our listeners with is a a, an easy way to remember why working visually works. And this mm. comes from the stable of work from David Sibbert over with the Grove Consulting in in California. Yeah. And it's dead easy to remember because you can remember it on the five fingers of a hand. Okay. And using the vowels from our alphabet. Yeah. Which is A-E-I-O-U, right? So why work visually? A. Because it manages the attention of the group. Yeah. And by attention, it isn't just like in school, right? Everybody, <laughs> attention. It's not like that. It's about managing the focus of the group as to why we're here. Yeah. And what's, what the topic is that we need to explore and why. So really a, col a common, compelling uh, way to manage attention. The second we've spoken about already, which is E for energy, yeah. is to really work visually helps to manage the energy of the group in terms of understanding. Mm. 
So by energy, I don't mean high and low energy, yeah. although getting up and working visually, moving post-its and, and you know, capturing visually yeah. can manage the physical energy. Yeah. But in this instance, Sibbert means the, the trust and respect between a group, group members, yes. can be really helped by each person really understanding what each other means and working visually, like we've said earlier. Yeah can capture points, salient points, points that can be remembered and brought back in later. So yeah. that's good. I is information. So what we're doing working visually is managing information in front of and the group are doing it for themselves, for themselves. Yes. So unlike that person in a meeting from years ago, although I do know there are people who are still taking shorthand, but yes. the person who just takes minutes on their notebook yeah. for their own purpose, for their own eyes to be typed up later. What we're doing here is managing information. The group are doing it for themselves, communally. for each other, communally. And it's and from an overall understanding point of view, managing information in this way really works. Yeah. The O stands for operations. So making sure that you've got even a flip chart. Mm. at its minimum and you marker pens that work yeah but but equally operationally if you take a meeting room and you've got some good wall space to sequence the charts that you're using from one side of the room to the other so that mm. you're creating a landscape throughout the day of what the, the topics were rather than dotting a flip chart here and dotting one behind yeah. you so you can even create... as simple as you know if all if all you've got is flip chart paper yes ripping a bit off and sticking it on the wall yes and, and creating doing that in a sequence yeah doing it in a sequence creating the panorama creates a very good operation for the yeah. for the meeting but making sure also that operationally you you've got all the kit you need yes and then the you which is my favorite bit which is <laughs> where you first started in this in this conversation is be you do you yeah. at all times do you and and no judgment on your artistic skills be you in service of the group know that even if the cat that you've just drawn looks more like a hedgehog <laughs> or that the writing that you've created might have a spelling mistake in it it doesn't matter what we're doing is helping the group to move through a conversation to get the best out of that conversation to make something happen and move their business forward if you'd like to contact us you can find us on instagram and twitter at tfp underscore meetings or you can head over to our website thefacilitationpartnership.com